You can subscribe to these radio shows by way of the Substack button at truthjihad.com. All right. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back. This is the second hour of tonight's live broadcast of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett broadcasting from somewhere deep in the woods of western Wisconsin, talking about everything you're not allowed to talk about in the corporate-controlled mainstream, especially the most important stuff. And we just covered a whole lot of important stuff in the first hour. Uh, that was a pretty interesting conversation there with Foster Gamble. And now moving on to the perpetual hobby horse here, the uh, 9-11 Controlled Demolition of Truth. That's the title of a new article or pretty new article by Ken Meyercourt. And I guess I, I wouldn't agree with a fair bit of it, but I agree with kind of its leading thesis, uh, which is that it looks like planes were remote hijacked on 9-11. That is, if, if I had to bet on how the uh, plane thing was done, I would guess that there was some remote flying being done that day. And there are all sorts of leads. And to find out the details for sure, we're going to have to, I guess, subpoena those people and bring them all in and offer some of them uh, truth for amnesty deals. But in the meantime, we could speculate. That's what Ken does in his article. And he does mention the big bamboozle by uh, former CIA drug pilot Philip Marshall, which apparently may have gotten Philip Marshall suicided because, well, as Wayne Madsen says, Marshall's crime may have been pointing towards the boneyard in Pinal, Arizona, or thereabouts as the place where at least a couple of the airliners used on 9-11 ended up uh, as hulks in this uh, airliner graveyard. So it's a fascinating topic, and let's find out what Ken thinks. So, hey, welcome, Ken. How are you? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, you're you're on. And hey, we're allowed to talk about something other than the Holocaust. Remember, you, you didn't want to come on my show until we talked about that. So now we've talked about it. You, we can talk about that. So I'm ready to talk about anything. OK, fantastic. OK, well, we, we like to cover these taboo topics. And of course, 9-11 is, is still it's pretty taboo to talk about the likely remote hijackings on 9-11. Uh, maybe we should start, though, with the part that I found really bizarre in your article was you still don't think there were any controlled demolitions on 9-11? Well, I don't have an opinion on Building 7, but, yeah, I don't think the uh, Twin Towers were brought down by a, a planned demolition. Mm, okay. Never have. Yeah I, I, yeah, I know back in the day that was the big uh, topic that – Basically, it was the sort of the sheep versus the goats where the, the sheep were the lie-hop people and those who rejected the controlled demolition evidence. And the goats, like me, were the my-hop people that has made it happen on purpose instead of let it happen on purpose. And uh, we uh, quickly uh, jumped on board with the controlled demolition evidence. I was on board long before uh, Richard Gage was, well, at least a couple of years before uh, so that takes me back to the, the good old days of the 9-11 Truth Movement, to actually find somebody <laughs> who doesn't believe in controlled demolition of the towers. My goodness. Uh, yeah. So what, what 
what uh, prevented you from noticing the evidence that's been accumulating about that? Uh, well, I've, I've not, I, I have noticed it. You know, I used to have a uh, public access TV show called World Docs where I showed documentaries and I showed three or four. I showed Gage, I showed Judy Wood, uh, uh, Stephen Jones, uh, three or four movies on 9-11 uh, talking about um, the collapse of the towers being a planned demolition. And uh, to me, it's just silly. Uh, I mean, we could talk about that all night. Well, well just quick, quick, quick question then. How, how is it that if this was just a gravity-driven collapse, well, I could say many things, but how, just for one, one of the many uh, complete dead giveaways, how is it that more than 1,000 human bodies that were inside those towers when they uh, <laughs> were blown to smithereens, but you say when they collapsed, uh, due to gravity and fires. No, I, why I, is it that not well, that after everything collapses due to gravity, even even planned demolitions? Uh, but, well, yeah, I guess. But I mean, if, if I, I think these were not even normal demolitions, I think they were blown to kingdom come, as the as the song goes. But well, finish your but, thought there about the thousand. Bodies. Yeah, yeah. My, my thought I, is heard this that. One. Yeah, how, how do you explain that more than one thousand human bodies completely disappeared? even though there were meticulous sifting and bucketing operations seeking the tiniest sliver of bone and fingernail that uh, would have remained from, from bodies. And, and they did identify DNA from uh, maybe, you know, 1500 plus uh, bodies, but more than a thousand, I think it might be closer to 1100 or so uh, never left a single trace, not, not a, a barely visible bone fragment, not a fingernail, nothing. They were all gone. And where were all those bone fragments and fingernails? Well, tiny little slivers of bone were were found all over the tops of the neighboring Deutsche Bank building. Uh, years afterwards, uh, something had t- turned human bodies into tiny little pieces and blown them uh, five hundred thousand feet. Uh, so you think somehow a gravity uh, collapse did that and no, caused a thousand? Stop saying that about gravity. Gra- everything collapses because of gravity. That's not. That's a poor representation but, of what body, I think. Bodies don't disappear because of a gravity collapse. They get squashed, and I, they I, are, I, every I body will be recovered. I got confused there. You said the bodies disappeared, but then years later they discovered body types on the roofs of buildings. What was no, that about? No, I'm sorry. Let me let me clarify. Okay, uh, uh, there are more than 1,000 people who died in the twin towers. At, and never left a single identifiable remain of any kind, despite the most uh, meticulous sifting and bucketing operations in all of human history. Okay, so 1,000 people, no evidence of them found at all. Of the 1,500 or so people who did leave at least a scrap of bone or a fingernail, uh, in many cases not much more than that, those little scraps of bone and fingernail, uh, many of them were found on the roof of the neighboring Deutsche Bank building uh, more than five years later. Okay. How did that happen? Just a, a collapse well, due to gravity. It could uh, be related to a show I saw on uh, PBS about uh, the uh, 737 Max, and they talked about the, the the second crash, which was in Ethiopia, and the largest that was, that plane was full of people. The largest uh, bo- piece of a body they could find was one femur bone. Something, you know, uh, something uh, hitting the earth at 500 miles an hour or whatever uh, tends to shatter things, including human bodies, which are pretty fragile. Uh, but I, I'd never 
this is a new one on me. Um, um, Kevin, I'd have to research it uh, to see what I think about that. But uh, it's like the thermite. If you want to talk about the thermite, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah, and, I, I, uh, I mean, that, that's that's something we could bring on the thermite experts to talk about. But I, I think the the evidence for demolition uh, is is so much more obvious. Like what I just described to you, um, I accepting that what I told you is the truth that, well, let's just say, yeah. start with the, the 1000 uh, people that are, that didn't leave a single bone fragment uh, right. inside that building. So Nothing does, like that. How does that, that with the building left. How does that plane crash? To, yeah. How does that relate yeah. to a planned demolition? I mean, well, when, what it means, why aren't they, if it was a planned demolition, why don't we have body parts? Oh, because uh, this was not a normal demolition. I mean, the building seven, yeah, building seven might have been a relatively normal demolition. It certainly looks like a like the well, best demolition ever conducted, as as uh, Danny Joenko said shortly before he uh, got his car went off the road and, and killed him. Um, but uh, the, the towers clearly were destroyed with a massive amount of energy uh, that was far more than would be necessary simply to slice the columns and let the building come down. Uh, due to gravity, okay, so, you're, so uh, massive explosions or of some kind, uh, huge amounts of explosives or nuclear or whatever unconventional means uh, uh, were used, and that would have basically vaporized uh, human beings. Right. So that's that's your your is that Judy Woods theory that you're spouting here? Well, I don't really take a side uh, about whether. It would have been uh, nukes or mini nukes, uh, or whether it would have been a Judy Wood style, uh, so quote unquote directed energy device, which of course is kind of a very vague term because a a, a nuke is a directed energy device, assuming you direct the energy that it releases. And uh, but anyway, something with tremendous energy, uh, uh, and obviously a lot of it was explosive energy. Uh, was was used you can see that just looking at it you can see the the pyroclastic uh nuclear style clouds coming out of what used to be those buildings and then the buildings basically end up almost at ground level and most of their concrete has been turned into uh, a bunch of dust that a lot major amount of the dust is sub 100 micron dust which is the equivalent of talcum powder uh so vast amounts of energy were used to turn all of that concrete into very small pieces of rubble and, and talcum powder. Uh, and uh, a lot uh, a lot of the steel apparently was just gone. Uh, so how that was done, I don't know. Um, maybe some kind of conventional explosives plus thermite, but it's hard to imagine how there would have been that much explosive power from conventional sources. So I've always thought that there it, it wouldn't be surprising if some um, recent generation mini nuke or some other type of uh, high high tech military weapon might have been used uh, as well. And that's, of course, what the Palmer report and the veterans today, people who've been exploring this hypothesis uh, have have told us in their very lengthy and detailed articles. Well, one thing that uh, I just uh, thought of recently, because since I don't go with the planned demolition theory, don't if I wanted to believe any theory other than my own, it would be Judy Woods that, that you were sort of touching on something unusual, sort of uh, a weapon explosion um, uh, object that not not explosive conventional explosives set on every floor and 
and set to go off right where uh, the plane hit the building. Um, but it occurs to me, uh, you know, the Judy Wood and others point to where's where's all this material that was in that building, the, the uh, beams, uh, the concrete and whatever. And I wonder if anyone's calculated a building actually is mostly <laughs> empty. It's just air. Uh, has someone calculated how much the actual volume of one of those towers would be if you took all the air out, if you pile it all up? And then how big was the pile uh, resulting of the ru- – the ru- how big was the rumble pile? Yeah, that's been done. It's been done to death, actually. Really? Oh, well, I'd yeah. be interested to know where that, that's done. Because about my – I'm assuming that the pile doesn't begin at the Earth's surface. There was how many levels of basement in that building? Uh, so I, I assume that a lot of the rubble is is underground or – you know, in what had been parking garages. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that, that's, yeah, and that's exactly right. That's one side of the debate. There's a debate over how high the rubble pile should have been uh, where the towers used to be and how high it actually was. And the, as, as I recall, I, I think, uh, like, you're supposed to get, like, a 15% rubble, rubble pile or something like that, which in this case would have been nearly 20 stories, over 15 stories. But then, uh, like, six or seven of them could have been underground. So then you, if, if you count it that way, you would, should have had maybe, you know, five plus, uh, five to seven stories worth of rubble above ground. And clearly there was not nearly that much uh, for the towers. And for Building 7, I believe that the 15% or so actually was there. So Building 7 was uh, 47 stories. And so 15% of mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not discounting uh, some sort of weird weapon, high technology, but uh, you, I don't think uh, uh, the, you know, there is evidence like that, but but I don't think it's very convincing. And you have to tell me what kind of a weapon this was uh, that would do something like that. If I, like I say, the thermite, I um, when I. One of my readers, when I, I said in my blog posting that I didn't think the I thought the collapse of the towers were as big a surprise to whoever did it as it, um, as it was to everybody else. I, in, other, in other words, they didn't plan for the towers to come down. Um, that, that's absurd. I mean, the, the whole point of the PSYOP was to get the uh, the most shocking images of the day were the uh, pyroclastic cloud, people-eating clouds chasing people through the streets of New York as thousands of people perished. Now, the whole point of the PSYOP was to replicate Pearl Harbor with its image of, of blown-up battleships and thousands of American dead uh, shocking right. the country into uh, going to war. And that's precisely what 9-11 was developed as. Uh, they spent the 1990s running uh, PSYOP simulations, uh, focus groups and such, with the world's leading fo- focus group, expert whose name escapes me at the moment. This is discussed in Rushkoff's book uh, uh, on coercion. And so uh, they wanted to replicate the Pearl Harbor effect. And to do that, the most important thing was to kill at least a few thousand people horribly, quickly, with huge billowing uh, pyroclastic clouds uh, in, a, in a shocking uh, image. And so when 9-11 was originally storyboarded, you know, when they sat down and story, that's how they, that's how you do a movie. That's how you would do 9-11, which was going to affect people kind of in the way a movie would. Uh, and I had a in, Hollywood in story. In a cave in Afghanistan, huh? Well, no, you don't, right. you don't well, buy 
that Osama bin Laden was behind it. I assume well, I was making a little joke that, uh, there about Osama bin Laden. Yeah, he repeatedly denied and deplored 9-11 and said it was un-Islamic and so on and so forth. He said American Zionists did it. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there are a few uh, people who would immediately respond that you believe Osama bin Laden. Um, anyway, uh, well, wait a uh, minute. If he car- if he pulled off a successful terror attack of any kind, much less the most spectacular one in history, obviously he would beat his chest and brag about it. Why? That's what people do when they do terror attacks: is they uh, they they brag. They take quickly take credit. The problem is usually too many people taking credit. Uh, well, we could go on all night, but I wanted to get back to one of your other points there. What was it? Um, oh, so if if they just if whoever was behind it just flew a couple of airplanes into the Twin Towers where they did and killed uh, several hundred people, maybe even a thousand, through the fires and the smoke and whatnot, but the building didn't plan on the buildings collapsing and the buildings didn't collapse. You don't think that would have been sufficient uh, to get the American people all riled up and, and accept all these interventions in the Middle East that we've been doing? Absolutely not. Not even close. Number one, it wouldn't have killed even close to a thousand. There were only no, an average of 50 people per plane. Well, I don't. I think least, a couple of hundred would have been sufficient. And it did. You know, there were. If it had just been the fire and the airplane thing, you you got a couple of hundred in the plane. They, they killed it. They killed it more than a couple hundred in the African embassy bombings well, and is, everybody gone. This is. Uh, you know, we could talk about this all night. Um, and it's not really. I hope it's not why I'm on. Uh, well, no. That, as I, we're we're going to cover your whole article, but we're just we're we're starting with a good, lively debate, which I'm sure my my listeners, or at least many of them, will uh, will appreciate because they love that sort of thing when we no, argue I'm not about appreciate it myself. <laughs> uh, okay. I, and and this is this is uh, the reason I I wrote my blog posting uh, on the anniversary of of nine eleven was that I I'm so disappointed with the nine eleven truth movement uh, that we have not gotten very far in 20 years, um, and partly because people uh, don't, uh, you, you agree that whoever did it, it was an inside job? Do we agree on that? Uh, well, let's, just say, let's just say whoever did it. The perpetrators would like to cover their tracks. Well, yeah, uh, it, was, it was designed. If it was an inside job. Yeah, it was, it was designed to be blamed on radical Muslims, obviously, and they obviously they don't want you to know that it was really the enemies of the uh, Muslims who did it. What? Okay, the, the the people who did it did it so they could launch a global intergenerate multi generational war against Islam right. and Muslim countries. Okay, and so ob- okay. obviously they did they, not want. Well, okay, well let's let's set this premise. Let's assume it was an inside job. Uh, organized at the highest levels of the American government or some cabal uh, similar to that at a lower level. And you can get Israel into it if you want or or Saudi Arabia or whatever. Uh, But uh, those people would be concerned about being found out. Uh, And so they would they would certainly know that there no matter how they presented, explained that they weren't responsible, that Osama bin Laden was, uh, uh, they know, they'd know there'd be some skeptics, just like they were with the JFK assassination, just like they are with everything. And they would want to uh, distract or, or at least neutralize uh, those skeptics, those critics like you and me. 
And one way that you do that is by placing red herrings, placing ridiculous ideas, uh, partly to distract people from the real heart of the matter and, 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 and head their investigations in the right direction, partly to discredit anyone who, who doesn't buy the official line because it's such, such ridiculous stuff out there. Um, uh, and they would, they could, they have the resources. If they had the resources to pull off 9-11, they have the resources to direct the 9-11 truth movement in a direction they would like to see. And it's, I believe that they are responsible for this planned demolition uh, concept. And it, you know, it, it's the, the crown jewel in the 9-11 truth movement. Um, I'm, I'm an outcast from that movement because I don't buy the planned demolition. Either your style or, or Stephen Jones or Gages or whoever's. Um, but anyway, so, you know, there are a lot of ridiculous ideas out there. Uh, for instance, you know, that a plane didn't hit the, the Pentagon. I mean, who's going to believe that? Well, uh, you'd, and, be, you'd be surprised, but that, that's interesting you say that. because no, I, wouldn't, actually, I, wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised, Kevin, because I heard your last show with Mr. Dietz, not just the show with Mr. Dietz, where you confessed that you at one time did not believe a plane hit the Pentagon. Have you modified your opinion? Well, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm agnostic. Uh, I'm certainly I'm I'm a hundred percent certain that Hani Hanjur did not fly the plane into the Pentagon. I'm, Yay! I've, I've, something we agree on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, let me. At, at this point, I actually lean towards agreeing with Bob Bowman, who was one of the smartest uh, 9/11 Truth Movement people I ever met. Uh, literal Cal- Caltech rocket scientist, uh, PhD, and he said that if if he were going to reverse engineer it, which he could do, you know, he was an Air Force pilot, flew 100 combat missions in Vietnam, and became the head of the Star Wars missile defense program under two American presidents. So he kind of knows how these things work. He said he he would reverse engineer it. You would you would definitely fly real planes into buildings. You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't fake it. And uh, so. I always kind of thought he might be right. On the other hand, there is an awful lot of strange evidence around the Pentagon event, including signs of some kind of bizarre cover-up, uh, disappearing videos and all sorts of nonsense, yeah, always uh, that interesting testimony, and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I guess I'm agnostic, but um, in the past few years, I've come around to sort of getting, you know, going back think, to thinking that Bob Bowman is probably right, that they probably did fly a big plane into the building and the work of people like Wayne Costi and others who have very meticulously gone over the uh, forensic evidence uh, there and Wayne Dietz uh, for that matter. Those people have convinced me that that's probably more, more likely than not. Well, good. And uh, I, let me give you an example of why the questioning of that is uh, uh, harms the 9/11 Truth movement as a result of my posting on on um, a remote control of, of uh, planes. Uh, I have been in discussion with three of my high school classmates, one of whom was a helicopter pilot in the Navy, another one was a Delta Airlines pilot for 30 years, and the third was uh, the personal pilot of a governor of Texas. And uh, I've in the discussion, they've all decided they all believe that uh, Hani Hanjour 
could have performed that miraculous bit of flying. Now they have the helicopter pilot and the the personal pilot who didn't really have commercial jet experience deferred to the the Delta pilot, and he believed it was possible. But then I learn out learn uh, subsequently in the discussion he didn't even know about what Hanley Hanjour had done. So, you know, so he, he was just assumed the planes just flew more. into the building. He didn't know about this 330-degree turn and the descent, 8,000-foot descent, and, and went on hitting right on the target. So I sent him some stuff at that about that, and I haven't heard from him since. But he did uh, mention that in, um, uh, in scoffing that some people – I uh, believe uh, uh, it was a truck bomb that uh, blew the hole in the Pentagon. And, uh, you know, that's he doesn't even know about Hanley Hodger's flight, but he knows that about the 9-11 truth movement. And so he immediately, you know, disqualifies the well, whole that's not That's not true, though. There's What's I've not true? never heard of a truck bomb theory. There's oh, I've heard that. No, it's yet. out there. Hey, I got one that you haven't heard. No, it's there. But missiles, whatever whatever you thought <laughs> years ago, um, uh, just anything that doesn't involve. Well, well Ken, I, I still think there may have been pre-planted explosives if they were specifically targeting people. There we go. Okay. Well, but the related oh, pre-plan, but but still an airplane hitting the plane. Well, no, they hit it with the airplane. But if they wanted to make sure that they killed, let's say, oh, that's the team, sure, yeah, why not? The team of accountants or the we're office talking of about what did an air, airplane hit the Pentagon? And there are there have certainly been all sorts of wacko theories out there. I don't know where the I haven't been following the movement for years, so I don't know where it stands. Uh, but that this is what he knows about the 9-11 truth movement, and he's not going to look any farther. He knows we're a bunch of wackos, and they're all, you know, the idea that the hijackers weren't on the airplanes, I think that's garbage. Uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's actually well supported by evidence. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. There's a, a website out there uh, called 911myths.com, you may be familiar with it, which does a good job of debunking a lot of these ideas, oh, uh, uh, you know, it's it's worth looking at. I am. It's, it's pathetic, though. If you, if you actually compare the quality of 9-11 myths to uh, the work of, let's say, scientists for 9-11 truth, architects and engineers, uh, the Journal of 9-11 Studies, uh, David Ray Griffin's work, etc., it's a complete joke. It's it's like a Ph.D. on the truther side and kindergarten work on, on the 9-11 myth side. I, I beg to differ. That wasn't my impression. Uh, but since I'm concerned about what what is there a theory <laughs> that you think might have been planted by the perpetrators to throw us off the trail? Oh yeah, sure. Um, the no planes is quite possible. It's 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 entirely possible that Bowman was right that real big planes were flown into all four ostensible crash sites. And then red herrings were built right. up around that. Well, anyway, that's, that's the fact that there the fact that there were counter theories that the there weren't uh, uh, plays. And I have a very intelligent friend here who's who's always sending me this this crap. Uh, so it's still out there, and it just uh, 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 disqualifies discredits the whole whole movement. And so I was wondering, how can we we need to have a uh, or a, a body? That could uh, uh, separate out the the uh, wild wacko stuff from the real concrete 
possibilities, theories. We, we already have that. It's called it's called 911consensus.org. Consensus 911. That's just what I was about yeah. to ask. Yeah, I was yeah. delighted to find uh, that that exists. And they do a, a very good job. I, I especially looked at uh, what they had to say about the calls, telephone calls from the planes, because uh, if if my theory about remote control is correct, how do you explain all those telephone calls describing a, a hijacking taking place? Uh, that's the, you know, my, my theory is debunked immediately if, if those uh, phone calls are, are valid, or pretty much there's, there's a remote possibility it could happen still, but, um, and they do a very good job, you know, you find, I didn't know that uh, the, the FBI, I knew that FBI had said that the call that, that Barbara Olson was supposed to have made to her husband, Ted Olson, that he, he reported the FBI said never occurred. She did call, but she didn't get connected. She was in the plane that hit the Pentagon or whatever hit the Pentagon. Uh, and that on Flight 93, there were two two calls out of uh, Flight 175, which that's – is that the first one or the second one that hit the towers? I'm not sure. Anyway, and I'm not – I think, that, I don't I think know it was the second, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Flight 11 point. was the first. That hit the North Tower and then Flight 175. The, the big one is Flight 93, the one that crashed in, in Pennsylvania because there were supposedly uh, 37 calls from that plane, uh, not all that got through. Uh, and, and two were on uh, cell phone calls, and the other ones were these air phone calls. Well, the FBI's story on these calls have, have been, uh, uh, been changed over the years. We didn't find out uh, that the, the FBI said there was no call between Barbara Olson and her husband until, what, five years after uh, 9-11, 2006 or something like that? When they, yeah, in the yeah you, you, would think that, you would think they would have hauled uh, Ted Olson in for interrogation years ago, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know about interrogation, but, yeah, this, or, or take the, uh, there's a cockpit uh, recording. <laughs> Not, I, they didn't find the cockpit uh, recording in the 93 crash, uh, Flight 93, but uh, uh, still, the air traffic controllers or something, I suppose they have this on tape somewhere, of uh, one of the pilots saying, get out of here, get out of here. Well, are those really the pilots? Uh, you know, it's an obvious thing to start an investigation. Let's do with this tremendous voice recognition software we have these days. Let's get a, a tape of what we know is the, are the real pilots' voices and, and compare it to that supposed cockpit transmission uh, from 9-11. Um, yeah, whether the quality would be high enough to be sure uh, is an open question. You're right, though. It's, it's interesting that the vast majority of these ostensible phone calls all came from 93. And as you said, there were just a couple from 175. Were, were there any from 11? Yeah, maybe a couple from 11. And then only Barbara Olson uh, from 77. No, I don't so, think there were any from 11, just 175. Two just from 175. 175. Barbara Olson's from 77. And uh, five, well, maybe only four from uh, uh, Flight 93. So, so uh, no, and no, one, were... one, of, one of the most famous one is Beamer, uh, who talked to, he never talked to his wife. He called up and ended up talking to a, a United operator or some sort of operator, air control operator or something, for an hour. Well, Flight 93 was, 
headed for Shanksville. I, I don't think it was a full hour, but it was a ridiculously long I was, time. Check yeah. it out. Six, I, I, like I say, I read the consensus 90, uh, 9-11 thing. That's, uh, I just learned that this week. Uh, it really? was 65 minutes. That's insane. Uh, it may not have been consistent. 60, I think it was. I think she, she was on for – but he, he didn't want to talk to his wife. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. I don't want to disturb her. Uh, she'll worry. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> say goodbye yeah. to her. Uh, that, so that is, you know, there are all bizarre. these questions about those calls, but still, it's hard to believe that some of them weren't legit. Mm-hmm. And if any of them are legit, my theory of remote control is pretty much out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we've got, how do you sp- explain Hani Hanjur? Uh, that's what keeps me thinking. And I, I saw something recently, uh, you may know more about this than not, even the one, the second flight that hit the towers, that had to make that bank that to hit the towers had to make that turn. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone, a pilot type person was saying that guy had to time that thing perfectly or he would miss the towers. So even that pilot, whoever it was, uh, did a pretty good job of, of flying for a yeah, no, that, I, flight school. I, I, I think the, re, the remote flight hypothesis is, is obvious. Theoretically, you could have a hybrid scenario where you could place supposed hijackers on board either to do a real hijacking where they're actually cutting people's throats uh, or some kind of simulation. Um, But you could still uh, fly the plane, especially at the end where it counted by remote, Uh, you know, you could, or you you could have uh, hijackers could take over a plane and turn it around, sort of set the coordinates if they had a way to sort of, you know, punch in a, a computer program flight to get it, uh, say, to the vicinity of the towers. But then you would have to have the uh, remote flight unit somehow uh, in control for the final section, which I uh, see the thing is, the, w- the way I see it, you know, you, you've, you've kind of uh, gone astray from my usual uh, per interlocutor that I have to convince about this because you don't believe in, in the controlled demolitions of the towers. But for those who do, I always point out, that even Building 7 was nearly twice as tall as the tallest building ever taken down in a controlled demolition. So the towers were four times as tall as the tallest building ever taken down in a controlled demolition. And these were incredibly difficult uh, projects. And so a vast amount of money and expertise had been spent to set up those white elephants. And the towers were white elephants that were condemned for asbestos. A judge had uh, ordered the Port Authority to uh, remove all the asbestos that coated the entire steel frame members of those towers. Uh, and that would have cost probably over $10 billion, far more than they were worth. They were largely empty. They had antiquated c- communications equipment. Uh, they couldn't rent them. The city all right, desperate. all right. They can, they can watch the documentary. More than a decade. Okay, okay. Uh, let's, so, uh, right. But, but in, any case, in any case, even if you don't accept the demo, if you, if, you, if you did accept the fact that those buildings needed to be demolished, and obviously they were, then you would say, well, you've got a very expensive setup for demolition. But you can't do it unless you get plane crashes to excuse your demolition, to, you know, to give you your cover story. Oh, no, no, no. hundred percent certain that you're going to get plane, to... plane yeah. crash is, is to fly by remote. You could never trust a human pilot of any kind to be sure that they could. Yeah, those... I know. Well, if you wanted to bring down the tower, if you wanted to kill a bunch of Americans and bring down the towers, a bet, a lot better way than all these ways we've been talking about. Just put some explosives in the in the basement. Remember that was well, tried that, in '93. Yeah, 
Well, that's yeah, but, 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 that's no, a lot easier that. than any of the things we, you've been talking well, about. No, that, that that would be a disaster though because they, they would tip over. See, unless you do a controlled demolition that essentially removes all vertical supports at exactly the same time, a tower just like a tree is going to fall sideways. It's not going to come down in, in as a bunch of sawdust straight onto its stump, which is what the it's, towers. It's still a planned demolition. I'm saying, but start at the it's bottom gonna, instead gonna, of gonna wipe eighty out, floors uh, up going to take out most of wall street these things would have taken out huge amounts no what wait a second a planned planned demolitions they put the demolitions in the basement right and it comes straight down no they they don't only do the basement they uh, something uh, even you know 20 story buildings they have to take out every so many floors and so for well, these, I like, okay okay yeah, yeah i i like the idea of a staged hijacking on the planes uh, and I think that relates to those subway bombings in London. It doesn't relate, but it, it, uh, the subway bombings in London, whenever they were post 9-11, you remember that, for, for swarthy types with backpacks going into the subway and, and the, with setting off the bombs, suicide bombers. Yeah, that was 7-7-2005. Very good. Um, well, it's to, it, actually the, there were the, the there were three of them who set their bombs off in the subway. The fourth was on one of those double decker buses, and when he heard about these explosions in the subway, he got rid of that backpack real fast and tried to get off that bus. I, I don't know whether he didn't make it. Uh, his his bomb went off before he could get off, or. Some Scotland Yard operative who was following him uh, uh, shot him when he tried to run away. Anyway, the, it occurred to me that, you know, it, it'd be real easy for Scotland Yard to go to four Middle Eastern types and say, we want to see the people's reaction in the subway when they see a swarthy guy with a backpack walking around uh, doing suspicious things. So we'll pay you good money to, to put a backpack on and just and they may have been doing this for weeks, months. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was a drill, and they probably they, they didn't tell these guys that the drill was going live. And, and uh, uh, anyway, Peter, the, the, Peter Power uh, admitted that. You saw Peter Power's uh, confession on, on live television on that very day that he had been running a drill that envisioned bombs going off in exactly the times and places that the real bombs just happened to go off, and he was stunned. Remember that? <laughs> no, I didn't. That, no, right? well, that's, you that's, never saw that's that. Like a confession. Anyway, so the nine eleven, they could have been something sillier, that, similar, not sillier, similar, uh, where they got these patsies to to tell them, oh, we want a, a, a fake a hijacking on an airplane. Don't worry, there'll be our guys on the plane too. We just want you to sort of stand up and sh shout Allahu Akbar or something. Uh, I don't, I'm not buying that idea right now, but it's an interesting concept. Then you could get the, the phone calls uh, would, would all, all of a sudden be uh, accurate and would not dismiss the idea of uh, remote control. Yeah. The, the way that you could uh, explain the phone calls basically is, is you can, you know, you could have, uh, intelligence operatives using voice morphing technology, uh, and that would explain why they wouldn't want to actually talk to uh, Mrs. Beamer. They'd rather spend an hour or whatever, a long time with the operator. Uh, they wouldn't be sure that they would be able to sustain it. That's a possibility. Then uh, other possibilities would include a drill scenario where 
perhaps under duress with guns to the head to make them really well, sound okay scary. okay we you could, you could take people you know you, you could take them aside in the airport and have them you know told that there was a drill going on and they need, need their cooperation they're taken somewhere and then basically they have to make these calls and read these lines that's another possibility okay. there, there are a number of ways that could have well been yes done. there are a number of ways and and i'd like to get back to we haven't gotten to uh the astounding evidence I discovered uh, as a result of doing the research for my my article, which are published on September 9th. So let's let's uh, jump on that. We only have yes, 15 minutes let's left. Do that. So go for it. Tell I us had about it. when I I decided to write an article on 9/11 and try and uh, uh, encourage uh, 9/11 truthers not to go off on tangents. Um, I remembered vaguely that after 9-11, I remember was immediately after or a couple of years after, I heard that the planes used in the, uh, that were hijacked, hadn't flown for nine months. So when I decided, which is pretty weird, uh, when I decided to write this little piece, I tried to find where I'd heard that. I remembered it all these years. Back then, it didn't, you know, it just seemed odd to me. I don't think I had, was thinking remote control uh, particularly at that time. In fact, the, I don't think I thought remote control until five or six years ago when I was in a bar uh, at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama and uh, talking to about 9-11 with some guy. He immediately said, oh, yeah, they were remote controlled. Uh-huh, yeah, that explains a lot. Uh, and then I started looking into it a little bit. Anyway, uh, I couldn't find where I'd heard this. So I thought, well, I'll just mention it in my piece that someone said this. And then I realized there's so many research and spending a lot of time and effort and engage and all those those people uh, and for a very little reward, if any. Uh, gee, maybe I should try and do some original research myself and and check to see what whether this is true, that the planes hadn't flown in nine months. So uh, I found it took a little little effort, but I found, uh, <laughs> ironically, I, I wondered, where do I get the information I ne- need to, to figure this out? I'd, I'd have to know uh, the history of the planes, uh, you know, when they see if I could find out whether they flew in, the, in those nine months. And it was from that 9-11 myths uh, website that you, that you scoff at. Uh, he was talking about they were talking about something else, but they had this data from the Bureau of Transportation Services, which had the plane ID and the date, uh, the time, the destination, the origin and the destination of, of these flights. I forget what they were debunking and using that to debunk, but I realized, damn, I that's just the information I need. So I got into the Bureau of Transportation Services website and found the database. And sure enough, they had uh, uh, every, apparently every flight in the country is reported to um, the uh, the FAA uh, and the DOT, D- Bureau of Transportation Services, part of the Department of Transportation. Anyway, somebody collects all this data because they're, it's in their online performance database. You know, the, the, the airlines like to brag about their online performance, and the FAA is checking on that. I mean, they, I think they fine airlines if they don't meet a certain standard. Uh, so and there it was. There's the data I needed. Uh, I learned about N numbers. Every plane is has an ID called an N number because the number starts with an N. That was a letter assigned to the United States back in the early days of aviation when there was the first inkling of international aviation. 
so there's six uh, alphanumeric characters beginning with N. And they're in this database. And they have uh, flight date, flight number, origin, destination, a whole bunch of information, uh, uh, including, they, they call it the tail number. That's the, the column heading in the, the database, but it's the end number. So I, I tried to find a record of, of uh, those four flights, and I discovered that, yeah, I was right. Uh, they hadn't flown. One of the American Airlines planes didn't like it. Didn't look, look like it uh, had flown since it was manufactured because I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and I, I mistakenly concluded the same thing about the two United Airline planes because the data in that database, the uh, N numbers, the plane identifiers, are corrupted for 2001. They're fine in 2000. They're fine in 2002. But for some reason, uh, in 2001, uh, they're, they're corrupted. Uh, namely, most United Airlines end numbers end in UA. No big surprise there. But in the database for 2001, they end in A with an umlaut over it, one. Uh, so I've, I've been in contact with the, the BTS to ask them what's, what's going on here without telling them why I want to know. Uh, and uh, they've been looking into it for a week and a half now without uh, um, figuring out uh, or getting an answer from their IT department as to what, what happened there. So, but so anyway, said, so okay, I, can't, the, the, I can't say I can't say for sure that the United Airlines planes had not flown for nine months. In fact, it looks like they did. However, there's anomalies in their data. Even, even though it's corrupted, I think I can f- know which – which flight uh, was performed by what plane and the two United Airlines, no, one of the United Airlines planes, I haven't looked at the other one, uh, was flying virtually every day throughout the year. Not always every day, but pretty close to every day uh, until uh, September uh, 7th, 2001, uh, four days before uh, 9-11, and there's no record of any flights for that plane on September 8th and 9th. And this is this is an exclusive for you, Kevin. I just got this, got the data, and, and found this out an hour ago. So I haven't even told my my followers about it, but I'm going wow. to. So you heard it here first, folks. Yes, you heard it on uh, whatever you call your Truth radio. Jihad show. Radio. What, what do you call your radio show, by Truth the way? Truth Jihad Radio. There we go. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, and, the, and beyond that, not only have they not flown on the 8th and the 9th, but their last recorded flight ended up in Boston. And their first, the next time they flew, which was September 10th, the day before, uh, they were flying out of JFK. So where were those two planes uh, for two days there? And why did they fly apparently from Boston to to JFK during those two uh, two days? Uh, you know, it's the, and I looked uh, back to August. I thought, well, maybe this is common. Didn't happen with any um, plane, uh, or rather, no, with the the plane, the the United Airlines plane, uh, never 
took uh, landed at one field and the next day or two days later or whatever took off from some other field originated at some other field for the whole month of august that didn't happen in all of september until uh september 10th so anyway i you know that's Interesting. It's, it's so, not so, so okay. Let, let, let's summarize that information. The American okay. planes had flown for a long time before their 9/11 flights, and the United planes uh, were out of service for a few days, mysteriously uh, going from Boston to New York during the couple of days uh, before September 10th. On uh, yeah, by September 10th, yeah, they flew out of JFK on September 10th. They landed in Boston on September 7th. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know. But the American planes were out out of service for how long? Well, one of them uh, for nine months, the last from January on to September. And the other one, like I said, I couldn't even find a record for it. I went back to 1996, 95, because that's when the, 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 the database actually goes back to 1987. But uh, they only started putting N numbers in there, it appears, in 1995. So, I, so that one just appeared out of nowhere for the 9-11 flights. And and the weird thing is those two end numbers for those American Airlines planes end in AA, which is, hey, that makes sense, except that all the planes that flew on September 11th, their uh, end numbers ended in A1, all of them. And so the only two that didn't end in A1 were the ones that were the two that were hijacked. And they were the only planes that didn't fly on uh, September 10th. Well, they didn't fly for, for nine months, but th- that means they didn't fly on September 10th. All the other planes that flew on September 11th until they were grounded uh, had flown on September 10th and all ended in A1, not AA. So, I don't, you know, this is this is, uh, you know, <laughs> some of these uh, <laughs> These things that I'm calling wacko ideas in the non little truth movement are based on flimsier data than that, uh, though this is hardly conclusive. I mean, uh, you could accuse me of, of discrediting the 9-11 truth movement uh, to come up with this remote control idea when we have all those telephone calls. And I'm sure many people would. Yeah, I, I think we have to be a little slower than that to jump to start accusing people of things, uh, because uh, obviously the way this who did false you have? flag was done. It's you know the the whole idea of the nine eleven false flag is so extreme that it's going to sound crazy to people. And, oh yeah. And so so we just have to try to get at the truth and have uh, research that can be replicated. So if your research here can be replicated, obviously that's you're not uh, discrediting anybody. And and in, I, I think the remote control hypothesis is is excellent. It's kind of obvious because if you really wanted to make sure that this would work. You wouldn't want to depend on humans, especially humans who are as incompetent as yeah. these 19 guys. Uh, well, I, I hope that my Delta pilot high school classmate gets back to me and he says, God, I had no idea. That's how the Pentagon went hit. No, he couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. <laughs> and remember the 9-11 Commission. I'll let you Hani, know if I, if I do hear that, from him. 9-11 Commission said Hani Hanjur was the best of the four hijacker pilots. And, of course, yeah. Honey Hunter was so bad he was not allowed to solo in a Cessna training aircraft. Uh, well, getting to the, the Philip Marshall uh, angle here, uh, I don't know if you read the Wayne Madsen piece arguing that Philip Marshall, the former CIA drug pilot, was murdered because he was writing a new book, which disappeared when they stole his computer, apparently, 
that included uh, stuff about how the planes used on 9-11 had continued to fly after 9-11 and ended up in the boneyard in Arizona, which is a, a, a wait, like wait, a wait, junkyard wait, for airplanes. Wait, wait a second. You're saying that's what his new book was about? Well, this is what Wayne Madsen, I believe, has. Argued. And where did he get the information? Uh, good question. And what to happened to Wayne Wayne's Madsen? Article. I haven't Wayne, heard. Wayne does rely on his sources. He's a former National Security Agency officer, and so he has these. Right, he's very good. But I haven't, I, like I say, I haven't been following the 9/11 Truth Movement for years. But uh, I was very. He was very good on the Philip Marshall saga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, you you uh, added a uh, sort of a postscript about Philip Marshall and his discussion of an airfield in in uh, was it Pinal or Pinal, Arizona? Pinal, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, it's not. Uh, I thought it, that was a town in Arizona, but it turns out it's the Pinal Air Park, uh, which is outside Tucson. Okay. There is a town of Penal, which is something someplace else. But the the one he was told, and you you can get on Google, you can see all those uh, jetliners lined up at the Penal Airport. Air Park. It is a boneyard. Well, not a boneyard because I think they they if if business picked up, I think the, a lot of those jets are serviceable and they get parts out of them as well. Um, but um, I yeah, thought. Man. Uh, yeah. uh, Marshall's argument in his book, The Big Bamboozle, is that that's where he thinks he accepted that the the hijackers uh, piloted the planes, but he just wondered how did they learn how to do it, and he finally decided that uh, they'd been trained at Penal Air Park by the CIA or, or whoever. Um, but uh, he said before he apparently and I get this from Wayne Madsen. He had told friends that he was onto something really a bombshell uh, that would be in the work of the book he was working on. But I didn't I've never heard that anyone uh, knew what it was. He I I, I hope I think he, he may have concluded uh, that that's not uh, it wasn't training pilots. They were doing there It was installing remote control equipment into a. Uh, those planes. Right. And, and I, I do believe Wayne has speculated that if you looked closely at the aircraft carcasses that are being parched out in, in Pino, you might find at least one or more of the planes that were ostensibly used on 9-11 with tail numbers. And yeah, so which means they didn't. So they didn't crash into the Twin Towers. They didn't crash into the Pentagon. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm ashamed of Wayne. Well, it's, 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 you know, we, we don't know, we don't know for sure that which planes were used for what, whether there were plane switcheroos and things like that. I mean, who, who knows that, that, you know, the plane research well, raises, you know, raises all sorts of, uh, of interesting questions and, uh, you know, more questions than answers, which is one reason I prefer the controlled demolition research, which, uh, <laughs> I find quite convincing. But we'll have to argue again about that another time because we're in the last minute of the show. So if people want to learn more about your take on this, they can read your article, 9-11 Controlled Demolition of Truth, which I've linked at the radio blog. And people can find that by way of truthjihad.com. Just click on the radio schedule and find your way to this particular show with Ken Meyercord. Uh, well, well, thank you, Ken. Uh, Appreciate your breaking news on my, my show. My pleasure, Kevin. Always yeah. a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff. I, I want to hear more about 
the uh, planes and whether they were, uh, you know, w- what the record had been of these planes before 9-11. And that, that is such a bizarre coincidence, uh, just like the fact that those four planes uh, were barely loaded at all. The, the total number of people on four planes was a little over 200, meaning an average of 50-some on board each, and they hold way over 200. That's insane. Nobody flies coast to coast with 50 people on a plane. Uh, all four of them at that level is totally crazy, just like the fact that these things hadn't been flown uh, right before 9-11 either, according to your reason. Thank you, Ken. Have a great work. God bless. Talk to you again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Radio. 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 Radio